Yeah, it's great to have you company. World Cup action continues. Sensational results last night. Morocco became the first Arab nation to reach the last eight of the World Cup finals. The North African country defeated Spain on penalties after a goalless draw after extra time in Doha. So this will be the moment for Morocco. And it's on Ashraf Hakimi, Morocco's star player. The man who was born in Spain, about to send the nation of his birth home. Ashraf Hakimi, created by Real Madrid. And he blasts it down the middle. And Ashraf Hakimi has set Morocco to where they have never been before. Morocco are into the quarterfinals of the World Cup. An African team are in the final eight of the Qatar World Cup 2022. So it was the third successive major tournament in which Spain have been beaten on penalties. Following the 2018 World Cup, the Euros in 2021, uh, they failed to score in three attempts, which is quite amazing for a country as significant as Spain when it comes to the World Cup. A real shock. And, of course, the other match played last night, it was uh, Portugal. Uh, winning by six goals to one over Switzerland. And Cristiano Ronaldo was spotted leaving the field while his Portugal teammates continue to celebrate their big win over Switzerland. Conclusions are being drawn that the five-time Ballon d'Or is on the outer from his dominant teammates who hardly needed him to put on a clinical 6-1 drubbing of the Swiss in their round of 16 clash. In fact, the Portugal coach, Fernando Santos, made the brave decision to drop the 37-year-old from the starting 11. He decided to put in 21-year-old striker Goncalo Ramos. Uh, he took his place, and Ramos, it proved a masterstroke from Santos. The youngster set the World Cup alight with a stunning hat-trick, including a freakish left-foot strike that seared in the top left-hand corner from an impossible angle. In fact, uh, it was such a sensational goal. In fact, Portugal scored some sensational goals in that 6-1 win. All right, now for Australian made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo. Be sure it's Aussie. We're going to speak to a man who is in charge of a significant Australian sporting organisation, the Football Federation Australia. We're going to recap everything that's happened with the World Cup and more importantly, look forward to where football, the global game, will now go on the back end of the Socceroos' great performance. James Johnson, the CEO of Football Federation Australia, joins me here on Sports Day. You're very welcome, Peter. It's great to be on your show. Well, you're back in Australia, you're back in your office in Sydney and you've spent what would have been a wild ride in Qatar. Tell us about the experience you as the CEO of the Football Federation of Australia had. It was an amazing campaign uh, on the pitch to get to round of 16 was phenomenal. Um, But what made me the most proud was seeing what happened off the pitch and the level of support uh, from the community. Uh, We saw that while we were in Doha. We saw people around the country come out uh, and watch the Subway Socceroos perform on the world stage. And that was really important for me as a CEO. And I know it was very important for Graham and, and the team as well. It really helped. A lot of speculation going into the tournament on how they would perform. Now, from a personal point of view, as a head honcho of the FFA, seriously, what were you hoping and wishing? And were you ready for any scenario? Because we didn't know how it was going to go. 
you know, you, you've always got a plan for different scenarios. My expectation was we did get to a round of 16. Now, some might say that was overambitious, but um, ultimately, if we want to be a, a nation that is credible and taken seriously in world football, um, the, 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 the benchmarks change now. It's not only qualifying for World Cups, it's going deeper in the tournament. And I think the, the pleasing aspect for me was the rest of the world actually saw the team do well and said, you know what, those guys down under, uh, they've really got their stuff together. Um, and if you take that together with the hosting of the Women's World Cup in just eight months' time, um, I think we've really got a seat at the global table. That's a great thing for Australian football. James, I spoke to Peter Philopoulos, who is involved with the corporate and marketing aspect there of the FFA. We know Peter from his days here when he was chief executive of the Perth Glory. And we're talking about brands and how significant the Socceroos brand was going into that World Cup, where it was probably sitting second behind the Australian cricket team. How big is the brand now after what we saw in two and a bit weeks in Qatar? The brand is very strong. I mean, we had 1.7 million people that tuned in uh, and watched uh, our last match against Argentina um, early uh, in, in, on, on Sunday morning. Um, we know that uh, we had thousands and thousands of people that came together in, in public viewing uh, to watch the Socceroos play. We measure our brand independently now. It's done on a quarterly basis. And Pete, uh, who, who you mentioned, uh, is, is, is the person in our office that leads that. But what we do know is that the Socceroos uh, brand will be at an all-time high. Um, and we need to keep that brand relevant in the market. So what we're looking to do in the year 2023 is bring the Socceroos back uh, in at least three out of the four international windows because we don't have qualifiers, so we, 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 um, we own those windows. So we want to bring the team back to Australia. We want to bring world-class opposition for them to play uh, against in front of uh, home crowds. And we do want to bring um, the team out to Perth, and that's a goal for us. Uh, in 2023. And we think by doing that, um, we'll maintain the level that the brand is at the moment, which is at an all-time high. That's uh, interesting news. Three of the four international windows in 2023. And there's a possibility, you were saying, that the Socceroos could play at a venue like Optus Stadium, where, of course, people have come to to see top-flight football. That's right. Um, And Perth is an important market um, for the Socceroos. We've not been able to take a lot of uh, content to Perth uh, in my tenure, which is uh, nearly three years, and a lot of that has to do um, with the, the, the COVID uh, border controls that were in place. But now we have an opportunity. Um, we are looking at bringing the Socceroos and also the Matildas out to Perth in 2023. So watch this space. That'll be huge. Uh, great news, and thanks for sharing that with us, uh, James. James, can I, before we leave the brand of the Socceroos, is there a chance that they could become the number one sporting brand in this country? Is that, is that a possibility in the next 12 months or so? It absolutely is. Uh, we think we can become the top um, national team sporting brand in the country. Um, and let's also not forget the Combank Matildas as well. They're also a top um, five uh, national team brand, the only uh, female national team brand in that top five. Our goal is to have two iconic brands in the market. And if we've got number one and number three in the country, which, which is what our goal is, 
then I think our code is doing very well. Mm, interesting. Uh, Peter again uh, mentioned to me that they were positioned at number five and there was a distinct possibility they could leapfrog the Wallabies and possibly go into number four. So saying that, there's been a lot of people that have written pieces, have spoken openly about uh, football in this country and the soccer is like they've never done before. And the big burning question is, how is the FFA going to capitalise on what happened in Qatar? So I've said from day one of my tenure that we need to play to our strengths. That's my philosophy. And we are a local but global sport, um, which to me means that we've got to take advantage of global content that we can bring back to local communities. Um, So, of course, playing and playing well at the World Cup, playing and playing well at the Women's World Cup in in July, uh, hosting the Women's World Cup here, bringing big national teams out to Australia instead of us travelling to Europe, for example, or South America is important. Bringing big club brands, as we saw um, earlier this year with the likes of Manchester United coming out to Australia, um, ensuring that our players are playing in top leagues around the world. This is how we plug our local sport into the global framework, and that's how we uh, we, we will maintain um, this level of interest, in my view. So, James, as the uh, FFA CEO, what are your priorities? Graham Arnold said at the uh, post-press conference after losing to Argentina 2-1, we need a home. And the other thing is, there's over 1.1 million participants that play the sport around the country, the highest of any sport, yet the funding for the sport has left people uh, having to reach into their pop- pockets to allow their children to play. Are they two significant issues that uh, the FFA needs to tackle with the government and other sources? Yeah, they are. So let's talk about uh, government funding. And we need to be specific here because the level of government funding, both federally and at state level, um, in relation to Legacy 23, which is our legacy plan for the Women's World Cup, is at an all-time high. It's unprecedented. We've had $280 million that will be invested into stadia, community facilities, and participation programs. But when it comes to funding from the Australian Sports Commission, which is, of course, uh, an agency of the government, um, we're really not in a good space. The Socceroos don't get a dollar out of the Australian Sports Commission, and uh, the Oliroos, who compete at the Olympics, um, get a very small uh, amount of money. And the reason that the funding is low through the Australian Sports Commission is because of the funding model. And the funding model has been in place for decades now. In my view, in our view, it's outdated. Um, and that's because the funding model is is almost solely based on the likelihood um, of a team or a sport getting gold medals at the Olympics. And I think sports come a lot further than that. Um, what we would like to see valued as part of the funding model of the Australian Sports Commission is, is sports and teams and moments that bring the nation together, We'd like to see the community valued, um, large participation base, multiculturalism, gender and sport. All these values um, should determine the amount of funding through the Australian Sports Commission that sports gets. Um, but unfortunately, we're not there yet, but we're, we're calling upon the Sports Commission to uh, 
to to give the uh, funding model a facelift. And you tick all those boxes, and as we know, uh, some of the players that were certainly the shop window of the Socceroos were not only the likes of the Harry Suiters and certainly uh, the players that scored the goals, but also, as we know, the refugees that came from continents like Africa and, of course, who came out of the back end of sort of the war in Yugoslavia. And, uh, you know, we know about some of the stories and how this side has come together. Saying that, how much praise can you bestow on Graham Arnold, who, before going through the passage of qualification through the UAE and Peru, people were questioning whether he was the right man for the job. Gee's answered it in spades, hasn't he? Uh, Graham has. Graham did an outstanding job. Um, I'm very proud uh, of Graham. Um, he did a fantastic job. He went through a very difficult period. Um, and, and not only was it difficult for him on the pitch, but what he was dealing with off the pitch with COVID, with being in isolation for last, large parts of uh, uh, the year 2021 is, is, is really amazing. So to see him come out of this campaign on top and to do so well, uh, it really brings tears to my eyes. I'm so happy for Graham and also for this team. James, was it fair to say you backed him when everybody was saying that we need to get another manager slash coach heading into the World Cup in Qatar? Was there serious consideration on replacing him before that first of those two qualifiers against the UAE? Um, so there was a lot of pressure on Graham in the March window when we lost at home to Japan and then we lost away to Saudi Arabia. Um, look, my philosophy is you, you have to you have to back your coaches in until you, you let them go. And the reason is if you don't back your coaches, um, they don't feel supported, they don't feel safe, and that tends to flow throughout the team. Um, we have always backed Graham, and on the women's side, we continue to back uh, Tony. Um, and while we have national team coaches in place, we will always back our coaches. Otherwise, it's time for them to go. And they've both been through certainly challenging periods and they've come through the other side. So saying that, you've come on the record and since you've returned back to Australia, saying that you'll sit down with uh, Graham Arnold after you conduct a full review of everything, every aspect of the, the World Cup campaign. But the general feeling is that the FFA would like him to stay on for another four years and maybe take uh, the Australian soccer to the United States, Canada and, of course, Mexico, who share uh, the rights to the World Cup in four years' time. Yeah, look, we've, we've had a very successful campaign and, uh, importantly, Graham also took the Oliru under-23 team to Tokyo, um, who will form the, the nucleus of, of the team that takes the field in 2026. Um, look, Graham's done a great job. Uh, he is at the end of his contract um, we're finishing up our review of the full campaign over the four years. Um, so there, there absolutely will be a discussion. We'll sit down with Graham and hopefully we can um, find a way forward. Um, if not, then, then we'll go to market. But our uh, first priority is to talk to Graham and talk to him about the future of the Socceroos. Mm. Just leaving the Socceroos for a moment, going back to grassroots football, where it is so strong. A lot of uh, boys and girls are, are playing the sport, yet a lot of parents are finding it very difficult to fund their children to play the world game. Uh, it's been a constant conversation point. The FFA is no doubt conscious in relation to the other football codes how a bit more expensive sometimes playing soccer, as we know it here, can be. Yeah, there are challenges uh, in the code. So, but, but generally speaking, uh, the large majority of community football, the registration fees are actually very reasonable um, as compared to other sports. Our challenge is at the elite parts uh, of the pyramid. 
namely the national Premier League clubs. That's where you see the very high registration fees, sometimes of, of in excess of $2,000 a year. This is a challenge for the sport, and we've got to be honest about it, and we've got to talk about it. Um, we're a new administration, and it's something that is on our agenda. Um, it's something that we do need to work with our member federations and our national Premier League clubs um, to help reduce um, those exorbitant fees. Um, and in parallel, we also need to set up alternate um, pathways as well so that registration fees don't act as a barrier um, for talent to come through. So it's something we're conscious of and it's something we're looking into and we will be coming out with a plan of attack in 2023. It's going to be a bonanza 12 months for football here in this country and you as the CEO of the Football Federation of Australia must be getting very excited. We've had the Socceroos, the Men's World Cup is continuing. We're heading towards the uh, quarterfinals and very shortly the semi-final and the final and it'll be done and dusted. And then we move on with the focus here in this country on the FIFA Women's World Cup uh, next year. How big will this be? It's the most exciting time for our sport in, in our history. It is the golden era uh, for our, our sport. When you've got two bookends, a men's World Cup that, uh, that we participated very well at, and the other bookend being a, a women's World Cup that we're hosting. Uh, and we're going to have a range of fantastic content um, between the men's World Cup and the women's World Cup. Our A-League is back, and it's back strong. Uh, community football will be very strong again this year. Our Australia Cup will be back, and we'll be making sure we bring some of the big nations out here as well, both on the men's side and the women's side. Um, so it's a great year for football, extremely exciting, and uh, it's, 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 it's our time as a, as, as a football nation. James, can we have a chuckle here? I certainly had a chuckle and I couldn't believe it. In fact, I took the mickey out of the AFL when they decided to drop in the first round of AFL fixtures for 2023 at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning when the Socceroos had just finished their <laughs> campaign against Argentina. I thought it was absolutely pathetic and I said that. And they are so paranoid about uh, any other football code getting some of their territory. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that says more about the AFL than us. But, uh, I was flabbergasted to see that. Um, but it is what it is. Um, you know, we, we keep moving forward uh, in this fantastic year we've got ahead of us, and, and that's what we're focused on. James, before I let you go, because you have got a very busy day, and we thank you very much for your time and evening as well. Uh, what about a couple of the people you rub shoulders with while you're over there? After all, you were the CEO of the FFA of Australian football, and it was very much a, a huge talking point over there. You would have met some interesting characters in your journey. Yeah, we, we, we did. And, and, and look, I come from those those circles, having worked at, at uh, Manchester City and FIFA. Um, so there weren't a lot of new people that, that, that I met. But I was fortunate enough to, to reconnect with, with people I hadn't seen for a few years. It was great to see the president, Gianni Infantino. He attended all football matches um, at the World Cup. He came to all of our matches. So it was great um, to see him. It was great to see some of the UEFA executives, particularly uh, the night that we beat uh, Denmark. Um, so there's a lot of key people over there. It's the, the expo um, of, of world football, the World Cup, um, and there's some key people. We've made some great uh, uh, connections and networks that we'll be able to utilise for the benefit of Australian football going forward. And finally, before we let you go, down the track... I know we had a failed attempt to maybe have the World Cup in 2022. Qatar got it. Russia got it uh, four years ago. Is there still a burning ambition? Maybe not in your time. It could be in your time where Australia maybe one day, maybe sharing it with New Zealand, what we're doing with the, the FIFA Women's World Cup, could actually host a Men's World Cup. 
Absolutely, and that that is our ambition. It needs to be our ambition. Um, I think in order to get to hosting a men's World Cup, um, there's a lot of steps along the way. If you look at uh, North America, who will host the World Cup in, in 2026. Um, Canada um, hosted the Women's World Cup in 2015. The United States hosted the Men's World Cup in 1994. And a lot of other major tournaments um, go to Mexico, Canada, and also the United States. So for us, we hosted a very good Asian Cup in 2015. We've now got the Women's World Cup in 2023. We're going for the Women's Asian Cup in 2026, and I think we've got a very good opportunity to to uh, to win those hosting rights. And as we keep getting these runs on the board, the rest of the world gets more confident that um, we're able to host and put on fantastic competitions, as we know we do, and that's what sets us up for success uh, when we when we next meet for the Men's World Cup. Congratulations, James, as the head of the Football Federation of Australia. It's exciting times for the round ball game. Uh, I've really enjoyed actually broadcasting uh, the uh, matches from afar, let me tell you, as the uh, radio rights holder with this organisation that I work with. It's been fun. It's been exciting. And now at the business end of the World Cup, who's your prediction? Who do you think will win it? Oh, I'm going to say uh, France. I think that they're the, the the best team pound for pound. They're definitely uh, they they definitely have the highest squad value in the competition, and I think they're going to be extremely hard to beat. Good on you, James. Thanks for joining us, uh, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Have a great day. Yeah, good on you, James. James Johnson, the CEO of the Football Federation of Australia. And, of course, uh, that was our Australian Made interview. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Uh, Some interesting news there, particularly the fact that the Socceroos will be coming, most likely, almost surely, to play here at Optus Stadium next year against some high-quality opposition. So we're looking forward to that materialising, and no doubt we'll have more information uh, early next year regarding that. And I say it it could be a pretty significant crowd, actually, here uh, to see that happen. Join us on the Temperate Bedshed uh, text machine, if you like, 0487 736 736. We're here for Kia, the seven-seat Kia Serato, his large SUV, and naming rights sponsors of Sports Day. A break and then back with more in a moment.